Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to the Q&A of 2023. It is the end of the year. 2024 is just on the horizon. And like years before, I decided to do a little bit of a Q&A to kind of close out the year and give my appreciation for just another season of amazing listening and amazing stories and just amazing you guys. I, You guys are amazing. So let's start with the questions first, because there aren't that many, which is fine. So the first question is, what podcast editing software did you start with? What would you suggest for someone clueless? So I had to talk to my husband for that one because I don't edit the podcast. And if I did, you guys would have terrible podcasts because I don't know how to. <laughs> so he said, uh, Audacity or Garber- Garbage. <laughs> Audacity or GarageBand are both free and great ways to break into podcast recording and editing. I believe uh, he used... I believe we used GarageBand at first. I don't know for sure. I don't know. I know we use Audacity to record. <laughs> if I'm honest, when I watch him edit, it all looks like I it just it just looks like a foreign language to me. I really don't know how he does it. Thankfully, he was in a bands and the music industry for a little bit before we ever even begun to even think of starting a podcast. And we used to do YouTube back in the day. So he definitely taught himself a lot about editing and different editing softwares. And honestly, if I know my husband, I know that he did a lot of Googling, a lot of searching on Reddit to get like the answers for any questions he had or get the advice of other people who were doing it. So I think he basically taught himself through that. But he did say, like I said, he said GarageBand and Audacity are great ways to get started. And that question, sorry, was from FoulMouthMaker on Instagram. Uh, the next question is, what's been the hardest case for you to cover so far? Um, I think I've talked about it before, but cases with kids are always really rough, especially if the kid is of the same age that my son is. Um, this year... 
I did a couple, not even that long ago, I did um, Sandy Hook. And, uh, you know, to do, to do a true crime podcast, there has to be a certain level of, I wouldn't say turning your emotions off because that's not fair to say, because that's not true. It's impossible to do that fully. And it's not fair to the victims to do something like that. But you do have to kind of separate yourself just a tiny bit so that like, it doesn't completely wreck, you know, your life, your day, you know. Um, So, but there are some that I just can't, it's hard to separate. And I know on two, I think there's been three stories that I've actually cried and had to take a break during. I know one of them was Emmett Till. I can't remember what the second one was. Um, But Sandy Hook was the one for this year. And because um, the victims were in the same grade as my son. And uh, if you are a parent of a kid in any sort of schooling, public, private, otherwise, um, I think you live with the same fears um, that, you know, I think every parent of a child in school lives with the same type of fear that their school could be the next on the news or that, you know, when your kids are away from you, you're out of control. Like you don't, you got to hope that the person that they're with, their teacher, their whatever, is going to take care of them the same way, same way you would. Um, but when you have to let them, when you let them go to school every day, it's like relinquishing a certain amount of control. And um, yeah, school shootings happen so much more than they should. Um, and so it's just, I think... It's it was hard for me to report it to report it. It was hard for me to do an episode on it, not just because the victims were my son's age, but because it wasn't like he got like it. The the gunman got in in a way that was that like I don't know. It was just like he got in in a way that was like no matter how much safety you allow at the school, like how much precaution you take, how much this, how much that within the building itself, someone can still find a way in. And that was very scary, but it's also very, it's also affected me a lot because it's exhausting. It's exhausting hearing stories get reported constantly. It's exhausting. I mean, we had a shooting, this a school shooting this year that was um not even 45 minutes away from us. Um, so it's just, it's it's that overwhelming feeling of exhaustion, of hope that, you know, you're, you know, it doesn't happen at your kid's school. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling, but I feel like every parent, every parent ever knows exactly what I'm saying. So, yeah. So I think that's the hardest case. Those three are the, the, I can't remember what the second one was, but I do remember that I, I had to take a break for a minute, but I do know that the Emmett Till and Sandy Hook have been the two hardest cases so far. Um. And sorry, that question was from txny.xh on Instagram. Saying people's usernames is always so difficult. Okay. Uh, this question is from j underscore by level b139 on Instagram. And it is, what is the your favorite case you've covered so far? Um, or you've covered. Uh, so, okay, I've... I even pulled it up because I wanted to make sure I had everybody's names correctly. Correct. Um, so there's the story of Clarence Elkins. 
who was wrongfully convicted for the rape and murder of his mother-in-law. Once he was in prison, his wife was kind of like, his wife, whose mother was the victim, was like, "Mm, no, I don't, you know, I don't think it was him. And so she, despite the fact that her own mother was the victim, fought for his innocence. And and then he got the DNA, because like the person that they kind of thought it was, which was a neighbor, if I'm correct, um, ended up in the same prison that he did. And so while she was, you know, rallying and getting the attention to the case and raising money to like DNA test and all that stuff outside of prison walls, he in prison uh, got this man's DNA and snuck it to her essentially so that she could test it and exonerate him completely. And they both like fought for this for years and it was this crazy thing. And then at the end, uh, they did what they had to do. She proved that he was innocent. She got justice for her mother and justice for her, um, I believe it was her niece who was also there at the time, who, um, yes, her niece who was uh, attacked, but did end up surviving. Um, she, uh, after they they exonerated him and did what they had to do, they divorced and they both have become advocates. And I just, I don't know. I don't know why that's, I love stories with like Hollywood blockbuster type twists and turns and spins because it's just like, cause at some point, you know, a lot of stories are very similar and it can feel sometimes it can feel sometimes like you're repeating the same story over and over and over again which is fine because those victims deserve to have their names said and their stories told. But then it's, it's always like, it's like a little spark that you get when like a story is like super, it's like just different. And like I said, twisty and turny. And it's just cool. It's just, I like stories like that. And I also love a story where someone who was wrongfully convicted gets the chance for freedom again. I think that I, stories like that, or I like stories like that too. Okay. So the next one is, what is your favorite episode this year? And that's from Ashley underscore Salazar. Um, okay. So this is kind of a weird answer. Not weird. Um, so my husband in no way, shape or form likes true crime. He edits the show because he knows that I cannot (laughs) Uh, and because he's very kind, (laughs) but uh, he does not like true crime. So I can only count on like one hand the amount of times that he's come to me after editing an episode and been like, that was a good story. And like whether and it's usually him complimenting my writing or the way I presented the story and things like that. And it like it gives me a little like, it makes my heart warm. And like, I don't know, they stick out in my head because I'm like, oh, from someone, if he liked it, someone who doesn't like true crime liked it, it's gotta be a good story. Um, And this year, the one that he came to me that was like, okay, I was in it. This was a good story. It was the story of Pam Hupp, which is a story that's been told a hundred different ways, a thousand different podcasts, 
uh, TV shows, movies. We've all heard this story. Um, but like somehow he, well, not somehow. Again, he doesn't like true crime. So he had never heard it before. And so he was like, it was like editing. It was like editing a movie. It was like this great story. And I was like, yes. So that is my favorite story this year. Like I said, simply because someone who is not, is not a fan of the genre liked the story and it meant a lot to me. Uh, okay, the next story is, or the next question is from Mimmel, M-I-M-M-I-M-L, 1979, on Instagram. It says, what started Morning Cup of Murder? Morning Cup of Murder uh, started because my son at the time was one. Uh, we had just moved into a new house. We had, uh, my husband was working normal normal office hours. So I was, so I've been a stay at home mom at that point by for a year. And I was, we were contemplating putting him in like a daycare, not daycare. It's called like a mom's day out situation where it's like three hours a day for three days a week. Just for like, to give me a break. Well, at the same time, I was like, a break sounds nice, but what am I going to do with myself? And then I started thinking, I was like, what happens when he goes to kindergarten? What happens when he goes to school? And then I have nothing to do with myself anymore because I've been a stay-at-home mom for a year and I don't know what to do. So I started spiraling. And I was like, I need to find something that is just for me that has nothing to do with him, has nothing to do with uh, my husband, which now it does because I needed editing. (laughs) But it was just for me. And so I was sitting there. I I remember it very vividly. I was sitting in the bathtub and I was like, maybe I should start a podcast. Because at that point, because I was a stay-at-home mom, I'd been listening to podcasts basically since the day he was born. Because like, I was bored in the house and I found podcasts and I thought they were super cool. And I got on the train like everybody else did. And so I'd been listening to a ton of podcasts. I was like, maybe I could do that. I think I could do that. Um, And so I had done a podcast very briefly with a friend of ours. I think we only ended up putting out like three or four episodes. And then it didn't work out, which is fine. But then I was like, okay, but I liked doing it. So what if I did it by myself? And then I started, because all the podcasts I was listening to were two people conversate, like talking back and forth. So I was like, how do I do that? And I was like, well, what is, what is something that very much interests me? And I've been into true crime since I was a kid. Um, my dad I I remember the exact moment it happened to my dad was talking about what he was scared of. I think I asked him what he was scared of. He said clowns. I said, why? And he said, John Wayne Gacy. And it all trickled down from there. Um, And so I was like, I could do a true crime podcast, but everybody's doing a true crime podcast. I don't know. Blah blah blah. So I was basically saying all of this to my husband and he was finally like, you know, you you could do a true crime podcast, but it would have to be something different. That have to be something that makes it separates it from all the other ones. And so I was like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be funny? Like you know, those like uh, rip like the desk calendars where you rip a page off every day. And I was like, this thing in history happened. And I was like, what if I did that with true crime? And he was like, could you? Like, is there enough? I was like, yeah, there's probably enough stories to unfortunately to do that. And so I got this. Um, I had this giant book with like 500 most notorious crimes that he had gotten me when we first started dating. And I pulled it out and I started like randomly flipping through it and like pulling different dates. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. And that's where it came from. And he came up with the name 
because like I said, he was in bands for forever. So I think he was good at just coming up with like cool names. Uh, and the rest is history. Um, would you ever cover the Hello Kitty murder? This is from Sassy Yoga Pants 87, which I really like that username. Yes, I will. I actually. Sorry. Yes, I will. Actually, I'm going to cover it. I can pull up the date right now in my giant document. I'm covering it on March 17th of 2024. I've already written it. Uh, it's it's a pretty wild story. Uh, so yes, you can look forward to that one in March. Um, would your husband ever join you on the broadcast? That's from Faith Dupe on Instagram. Uh, I would never say never, but probably not. <laughs> um, I don't feel like he would want to. I don't know. We, we joked once about like maybe on like a, a April Fool's Day, having him record an episode as a joke. But at the same time, I was like, it would have to be an, an April Fool's Day episode that wasn't like so bad, wasn't so uh, intense. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so, though. Like I said, when we first started dating, he wouldn't even watch CSI or any of those shows. Uh, so he, we've already pushed him to, to uh, past his boundaries, unfortunately. Um, so I don't think so. But like I said, never say never. Would you ever, uh, would you ever do, or have you ever made a podcast collaboration between others in your family or with other podcasters? This is from uh, the Twisted Globe podcast. Um, the only collaboration I have ever done was the Patreon episode with my son, which turned out to be uh, like a backdoor pilot for uh, Cryptic Catalog, which is our child-friendly spinoff podcast. Um, we didn't intend that for that to be the case when we first made the episode, but he enjoyed it so much and we had fun making it. And so we decided, and someone was like, this would be a great kids podcast. And I was like, that's a very good idea. But anyway, um, probably not. Like I said, never say never. But I would. I am more than down to be on other people's podcasts. Uh, I've done that a, a couple, uh, just like a few times, like two or three times. But I don't. The unfortunately, like, and I've I've had to turn down some really cool interview options sometimes because my podcast is a daily show that's short form. That's um, you know, I mean, you guys know you listen. I don't think it like an interview or having a person on the show with me fits the like vibe and the like type of podcast that I've been putting out. But that being said, I would love to be on other people's podcasts. And also like in the future, maybe, you know, maybe I would do another show, a different show, or maybe maybe a Patreon exclusive with another podcaster. I don't know. I'm open to all options. But yeah, for right now, I think like on the main feed, it doesn't necessarily work, but I don't know. We'll see. And the last uh, question is, has law enforcement ever reached out to you? And that's from Pear Bear 76 I don't think so. Like I said, I have a really, really bad memory. And so they could have, but I really don't think so. Family of uh, people involved in a crime have reached out to me and or people who have reached out to me after the fact to say, oh, that was, you know, my boyfriend's mother or my stepmother or something like that. Um, that has happened. And I've had really positive experiences with that, thankfully. 
Um, uh, but other than that, I don't think law enforcement has ever reached out to me. I've had, oh, I have had um, lawyers or people who are working with the family of the victim or the accused or some like something like that. I've had them reach out um, uh, or because maybe they're wrongfully, they believe they're being uh, wrongfully uh, convicted or maybe their case isn't as spoken about as it should. Uh, things like that. I've definitely had that, but I do not believe I've ever had actual law enforcement reach out to me. I think that would make me nervous. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that is the end of the questions. Uh, thank you guys so much for sending questions. I try to do this every year, whether we have enough questions to do it in future years. I don't know, because there's really only so many questions you can ask, but I enjoy doing it every year. Um, I just want to say, Thank you guys for just another year of really amazing support, amazing listenership. Like I, I really do. I think a lot of podcasters say it and it's, it's true, but I really do feel like I have some of the best listeners out there. I have people who are always very supportive and are very kind when mistakes are made, uh, I have people who are very understanding. And then I have people who, you know, you know, support, support me or support, you know, the show when maybe people aren't being so kind. And I just, I cannot thank you guys enough for all of that. Um, as a person with a lot of anxiety, um, putting myself out there in this way, I have moments where I'm like, it gets very overwhelming and very much so I get worried about like a bad comment or a bad review or I get I get worried about just stuff like that. And really, it's such a drop in the bucket compared to just the out the amazing support and outpouring of love that you guys give every day. And it's just I'm I'm genuinely extremely grateful for every single one of you whether you just listen, whether you share the podcast, whether you buy merch, whether you just leave a really nice comment or review, I really appreciate every second of it. And as long as you guys are willing to listen, I'm willing to work to find more and more dates. I, you know, I've got, hey, listen, I've got at least, let's see, I've got at least like three or four more seasons in me. I maybe even more. But as long as so as long as you guys will have me, I will continue to make this show. And yeah, happy holidays. Happy New Year. And thank you again for being absolutely incredible. And remember, stay safe.